0: All right. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter fifteen. Matthew uh, fifteen. Last week, I preached the first of two uh, messages in this little mini series I'm doing called uh, Offenses. Uh, And last week I I spoke on the the message was about that we have a choice: do we want to be healed or do we want to be hurt? To stay hurt. Uh, So today I want to share with you about offenses. um, and, and so that we can kind of dig in. This was really one long message that I cut in half, and so in and, and planning for this when we uh, started. Now, um, I was reading an article when I was doing some study work, uh, reading an article about offenses, and this article it described offenses as old fences. I thought that was clever, Uh, offenses as old fences, because it's something, offenses is something that happens to you in the past uh, that puts up a fence between you and another person. Uh, And I I thought it was clever, uh, but that's exactly what offenses are. That's exactly what they are. Uh, They're fences that can divide us. But not only... See, here's the deal. Not only uh, do offenses bring separation between each other, but I want to show you in Scripture today where it can separate your fellowship with God. Not your relationship with God, because if you're saved, then you're, for, you're forever uh, saved. But your fellowship with God can be uh, broken. It can be uh, severed in some ways. All right, now... Um, here's something about offenses. Are y'all ready to study the word today? Yes. Okay. All right, good. Just check it. Um, here's something about offenses that you might not know. Um, offenses can be judgments that hold us in bondage. Okay, offenses can be judgments that hold us in bondage. In other words, when someone does something offensive, if we pick up the offense, And become offended, okay? Then we make a judgment that puts us in bondage. And we don't think about it this way, uh, but when you take up an offense with someone, you make a judgment toward them, don't you? So here's what we need to understand when you make a judgment toward someone else, you then either go into bondage into the same area or the opposite extreme. I'm going to say that again so that you catch it. When you make a judgment towards someone, you either go into bondage in the same area or the opposite extreme. Now let me explain. If you're offended or wounded, say, at the way your parents raised you, Let's just say, you either grow up raising your children in the same way or in the opposite area, the opposite extreme area, than what they did. You follow me? Does that make sense? Okay, now here's an example, and you'll catch on. Children that grow up, say, in an abusive home, if you grow up in an abusive home and have wounds of abuse... They typically either grow up to be abusive themselves or they are so passive that they continue to allow themselves to be abused. But either way, they're in bondage. You following me? Now I'm not talking about things that we experience that we want to do the same or that we want to do different. All of us have things in our within our families, you know. Um, I love my parents dearly, and if my mom ever watches this, I'm so sorry, mom. Uh, but um, my my parents are uh, at say at Christmas time. It's a mad rush, like it's chaos. And growing up as a kid, that was kind of fun. But I, I learned growing up, hey, I, I, I wanted, to, I wanted some, you know, traditions. I didn't want it to be so chaotic. And so those are like a nuance that I picked up. What I want to share—that's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about those kinds of things. That's fine. We deal with those all the time. But when we take up with offense, we make a judgment against another person. Now the reason that we get into bondage. When we take up offense and make judgment, is because what we're actually doing in Scripture, it's called an inner vow. It's an inner vow. Uh, Have you ever said, for instance, have you ever said, I'll never be able to get over this? I'll never be able to get past what they did to me. I'll never forgive them for doing this to me. All right, now, what you're doing is you're making an inner vow. You're making An agreement. So we either come into agreement with God, okay, and the truth about what he says about situations and about relationships and about experiences. We either come into agreement with him and the truth of his word on any given situation, or we come into agreement with a lie. Okay? Now let me ask you. If you ever say I'll never be able to get over this, if you've ever said I'll never be able to get past this, I'll never forgive someone for doing this to me, all right. Now let me ask you, are these statements that you make, are they coming into agreement with the truth of God's word, or are they coming into agreement with a lie? With a lie. Now who's the father of all lies? Satan. See, we don't think that way. See, we just use our words. We, we just operate out of hurt. We use words like that. But we don't think about what that actually does in the spirit. Now, Satan is the father of all lies. And let me ask you this. Who's always crouched at the door prowling around like a roaring lion looking for an open door to give him legal right to come in and hold you bondage? The enemy. Satan is. That's right. And actually, here's what I've learned. Satan, and we see this in the Bible, Satan will set you up. He will set you up so that you'll make an inner vow so that he has a right to come in and hold you in bondage. I mean, he'll set up something for you. And if you're not keen, if you're not walking in the spirit, you'll fall for it. Yeah. See? And he wants to torture you. So here's what he'll do. You'll have this thought come to mind. If my spouse ever did this, I could never forgive them for that. I could never get over that. I would, it would just kill me. I would be wounded for the rest of my life. I could never take it. I mean, I could never take it. And Satan goes, aha, there's the way. And then he's, guess what? He's crouched at the door waiting to come in through that open door. Waiting to destroy your marriage. See, you've opened yourself to attack in this area until that inner vow is broken. Until you confess and repent and renounce that inner vow. Okay? It's, it's, and it's done through repentance and forgiveness. Now, I want you to understand that the attacks of the enemy on this issue, we need to be keen about it. We, don't, we need to be sober-minded, as we're told. But Satan will totally set us up. He will. He will. Um, we'll say, if, if my friend were to ever turn around on me, oh, if my business partner were to ever do this, um, if someone at church treats me like this, see, and Satan goes, there's the door. There's the door. There's the door. Now, offenses, church, are the hardest areas of bondage to break sometimes because Satan will continue to bring back that offense to you over and over and over and over again. If he knows that that inner vow is there, man, he'll set you up over and over again. Man, and you just, it's like, oh. All right, now, I want to make two little statements. And that you, one of them you've heard before. But I want you to remember them. You've heard this phrase before. Hurting people hurt people. You've, you've heard me say that, okay? If you're hurt, you're going to, and you take up that offense, you are in bondage to that hurt, you're going to hurt other people. No way around it. You, you, hurting people hurt people. Okay, now, the other statement is this. Offended people offend people. Offended people offend people. See, some people will say, I've got tough skin. I don't pick, I don't pick up offenses. Nobody offends me. But I sure do offend other people. I do that a lot. I'm always offending other people. All the time. Now listen, I want, I'm going to tell you the truth. You're an offended person. So you might say, you, you've got tough skin. I've got to just let things roll. Actually, if you're continually hurting someone, if you're continually offending, you're, you're really hurt on the inside yourself. And you put a shell over your heart. And you've built a fence. See, offenses build a fence. That's what they do. Okay? When we're living like Jesus... All right, let me ask you a question. When we're living like Jesus, is it possible for someone to be offensive but for us not to get offended? Is it possible? Yes. Of course it is. Uh, Yes, it is. And see, the more and more that we're walking in the Spirit's power and in healing and in peace, the less and less we'll pick up the offenses and become offended. Okay? The less and less we do that. Now, there are different reasons that can cause us to get offended. And I want to share four causes of offense and see what the Holy Spirit says to us today. Now, I'm going to share four that are in Scripture that call how uh, offense was caused. And, and there might be one, two, I don't know all of them. It doesn't matter. But I'm going to share uh, how we can be offended today. I'm going to ask you if you would, stand in the honor of reading of God's Word. And we're going to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to guide us through this message today. So, Lord, I I humble myself before you now and um, I, I pray that you would speak to us through the truth of your word and not my words. And, Lord, I lay down my life and my agenda. And, God, would you search my heart to see if there is any wicked way in me? Lord, let me be blameless before you today so that you can fill me to overflowing to proclaim the truth of your word. Holy Spirit, would you do what I cannot do and take your word forth. And and we know that when it goes forth, uh, it will not return void. It will accomplish its work. And so, Lord, would you accomplish your work? We trust you in that. We thank you for that. And would you just give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts that are open to respond to what you have to say to us. What you have to say to us. Guard us from distractions. And focus our eyes on you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, remain standing. Here we go. we Matthew uh, chapter 15. We're going to start in verse 1. Okay? Some Pharisees and teachers of religious law now arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. They asked him, why do your disciples disobey our age-old traditions? For they ignore the traditional ceremony of hand-washing before they eat. Well, Jesus replied. Now, I love Jesus' reply. He says, well, and why do you? He didn't even answer their question. He doesn't. He, don't, he doesn't have anything for religious people. And he says, well, then why do you, by your traditions, violate the direct commands of God? For instance, God says honor your father and mother and anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. But you say it's alright for people to say to their parents, sorry I can't help you for I have vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. And this way you say they don't need to honor their parents. And so you cancel the word of God for the sake of your own traditions. You hypocrites! Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me, and their worship is a farce. You know what farce means? Farce means it's a cover. You're putting on what you're doing. It's like your worship, you're worshiping, it's a farce. For they teach man made ideas as commands from God. Then Jesus called to the crowd to come and hear. Listen, he said, and try to understand. It's not what goes on into your mouth that defiles you. You are defiled by the words that come out of your mouth. Then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you realize you offended the Pharisees by what you just said? Now, I thought that's funny. Because the disciples, you know, they came around. He's like, you realize you just... You just they're like ixnay on the uh, on the stray. you know. They're just like, do you realize you just offended them? Jesus replied, "Every plant not planted by my heavenly Father will be uprooted. In other words, if it's not of God, I ain't standing for it. So ignore them. Now that's counter to what we think Jesus would say." We 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 think he'd be all, all just very gracious and loving and just receptive and, and all caressing them, oh yeah, no. Nope. No, he said ignore them. Ignore them. Let God take care of them. God will take care of. God will take care of those who who are worshiping a farce. Now they are blind guides leading the blind. And if one blind person guides another, they will both fall into a ditch. Okay, couldn't be any clearer than that. Then Peter said to Jesus, Explain to us what that parable that says people aren't defiled by what they eat. It says, Don't you understand yet? Jesus asked. Anything you eat passes through the stomach and it goes into the sewer. sewer. <laughs> Sorry. But the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. For from the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, and sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defile you. Eating with unwashed hands will never defile you. God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Now, strong words from Jesus. There's a lot in that passage, okay? Here's the first thing, here's the first cause, uh, the first thing that can cause offense. If you're taking notes, here it is it's pride. The first thing that can cause offense is pride. I want you to go back and look at verses 1 and 2, uh, Matthew 15, 1 and 2. So some Pharisees and teachers of religious law now arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. They asked him, why do your disciples disobey the age-old traditions? For they ignore our traditions of ceremonial hand-washing before they eat. Now, these disciples, they were fishermen. Or you just got to understand the context. I mean, they were they worked outside. They worked with their hands. They touched fish all day. They, they, they weren't around the sink. They didn't have dove. They didn't have the soap to wash their hands. Uh, they were not scholars. They didn't spend time in the temple. They were, they were people of the, they were out there, okay? And the Pharisees come and ask Jesus. They're like, you know, your disciples go against their, like, our practices of washing your hands before you come into the temple. You, you know that, right? Uh, but they weren't violating the scripture. Now, the, 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 the disciples, they weren't violating scripture at all. See, you need to know, Pharisees, they make up their own scripture. You know that? I mean, that, and they'll make up their own scripture. Uh, they, we, we do it today. Um, see, Pharisees, religious people who are, have a religious spirit on them, they always want you to go by their code book, what they think how things should be, uh, and their code of conduct. Um, see, here's how Jesus replied, verse 3 through 5. Jesus replied, And why do you, by your traditions, violate the direct commands of God? For instance, God says, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who speaks disrespectfully of the father or mother must put to death. But you say it's all right for people to say to their parents, Sorry, you can't help you, for I have vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. Now, that sounds really good, doesn't it? You're like, well, I'm not going to be able to give to you, mom and dad, because I've got to give to God. Okay? Now, here's what they were saying. Listen, you don't have to spend money to take care of your parents. These religious leaders, you don't have to spend money to take care of your parents. When they get old, you need to give the money to the church. But what they were doing is they were using the money for personal gain. They They were stuffing their pockets. Okay, so they had reason. Now, uh, look at verse 12. Then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you realize you offended the Pharisees by what you just said? And Jesus replied, Every plant not planted by my heaven, if I will be uprooted. He said, So ignore them, they are blind God's leading the blind. If any one blind person guides another, they will both fall into the ditch. Now, let me ask you a question Why were the Pharisees offended? Why were they offended? It was pride, okay? Jesus, right there, he corrected them. He corrected them. He pointed out their hypocrisy. I mean, right there in front of them, in front of everybody. He he just pointed them out and he did it publicly. Now, pride always gets offended when it's corrected. Pride always gets offended when it's corrected. Uh, here's a question for you. Uh, do you have a problem receiving correction? All right, now let me ask you this. Do you have a, a problem receiving public correction? Now, if we're all honest, all of us do to some degree. I mean, nobody wants to be, wants to be pointed out in public. I mean, but if you think to the root, why? It's our pride. Our pride. We don't want to be called out. We don't want people to think poorly of us. Pride. See, because we're, we're concerned about the way that we'll look to other people. What will they think of us? See, pride always gets offended. Now, let me tell you this. The root of pride is insecurity. The root of pride is insecurity. Now, I want you to follow me carefully. You can be an insecure person and not be prideful. But you cannot be prideful and not be insecure. Do you follow me? You can be insecure but not prideful. But you can't be prideful and not be insecure. All right, there are some people who are insecure, but not prideful. Let me give you an example. Um, (laughs) When I first started uh, coaching on Jets baseball team, by the way, Carolyn signed me up for that all those years ago. And she says, oh, by the way, you're going to be an assistant coach on Jets um, baseball team. I said, what? And, uh, you know, although I know uh, all the athletic skill I possess, you know, I don't know why she shocked me, but right. Anyway. Uh, Here's the deal. I was insecure. I mean, I walked, that was not, that's not my genre. Okay, the baseball field. Shocker, I know. And so I walk out there and I'm like, well, I just look the part, you know, as long as I got the right, you know, pant, the good shoes on, I got my baseball hat, make sure it's curved, I got the glasses, whatever, I'll just go incognito out on the field and I'll just stroll, you know, I'll spit every once in a while, (laughs) you know, Good job, boy. Good job. And, and I, when my parents found out this, when I, they found out that I was going to be a coach, they just laughed at me. They just giggled. And I'm like, what are you laughing at? I can do this. But um, so I didn't know what I was doing and I didn't want to make a mistake. Okay. So the coaches, so, so whatever they'd say, I'd just say louder. You know, they're like, uh, run! I run. You know they'd be like, hit the ball, swing hard. You know I just repeat whatever they'd say. Run hard. Um, but I didn't want to be prideful about it. So at the beginning, I just told all the other coaches, I was like, listen guys, I was the band guy. Uh, I've never done this before. I don't know what I'm doing. So y'all y'all you are gonna have to teach me. You're gonna have to correct me. Are you just gonna have to teach me? I'm gonna be I'm gonna be here, but I'm gonna be here. All right. So. And they have, and over the years, I've grown, I've learned some things about baseball. And so now I've I've gained confidence in my baseball coaching skills. So you can, I was insecure, but I made the decision I wasn't going to be prideful about it. See, but if you're prideful about it, meaning that you're operating in pride, okay, the root's really insecurity. I mean, it's always insecurity. And and you're just feeling the insecurity, but instead of being honest about it and not being prideful, you just try to cover up the insecurity, with, with the outside. You just try to cover it up, trying to make yourself look better. Okay, see, pride says that we should be treated differently. Pride says we don't. We know what we're doing. Okay? Or, or we're justified in our behavior. That's what pride, I'm justified in my behavior, so I don't need your correction. I don't need you to tell me what to do. I know what to do. See, that's insecurity with pride. Um, if you know that you deal with pride or insecurity, moving past that will require healing, like we talked about last week. And if you weren't here last week, I really encourage you to go back and listen to the first part of this message about healing. Healing happens, listen, when we humble ourselves before God, we get in the presence of God, and we sincerely ask for Him to heal that root of insecurity. And I shared my story with you uh, last week when the with the Holy Spirit said, What do you want for your birthday? I'll tell you the root of what I what I wanted to be healed from it, it it was the root of insecurity. It was the root of insecurity. And then in process, he did. So uh, pride is number one. Number two, the, uh, we can be offended through envy. We can be offended through envy. Now, I want you to flip over to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, uh, verse 1. I think, think it will also be up on the screen. All right. Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. So he's in his hometown. This is where he came from. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom and power to to perform such miracles? Where did he get this? And then they scoffed, he's just a carpenter. He's son of Mary down the street here. The brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, that that ragtag bunch. And his sisters, they live right down the road from me. They live right here. Now watch this. Look at this. And they were deeply, what's the word? Offended and refused to believe in him. Okay, now there's an offense right there. Then Jesus told them, A prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. All right, Now we can learn a lot from this passage. We can extract a lot. But their first, their offense though was caused by envy. It was caused by envy. See, the reason they got offended is because they knew him. They knew where he came from. They said, he grew up right here, didn't he? He grew up right here. He and my little Billy, they went to the same class. They were in the same class. And everyone's now saying how good of a teacher he is. And he never went to seminary. But my Billy went and graduated top of his class from seminary. But now Jesus, he never done anything. And now they're they're just going on. And why why all this attention is being given to him? Why? They say we're envious. Envy is a reason for offense. Some of the most, this is sad to me, it blows my mind, but some of the most envious, jealous people I have ever known are believers, are Christians. See, it blows my mind at how sensitive that people are in the church and how envious that we can get of one another. See, if someone gets asked to be a teacher or in a leadership position or this and that, and then someone will be like, well, why didn't I get asked? Why didn't I get it? I'm offended I didn't get asked. I've been known where people have said to me, not here, but people have said to me, You didn't ask me, but it's okay. I don't have time to give to it anyway, so I would have said no, but it would have been nice to be asked. I want you to hear me. If there are any people on planet Earth that should not have envy, it should be believers. It should be believers. See, Scripture says rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. When someone gets a new job, you don't say, why didn't I get that new job? See, you say, praise the Lord, they got that new job. Praise the Lord. God's blessing them. Praise the Lord. See, envy will absolutely hold someone in bondage and destroy their lives. They will. It will. You know what envy says? Here's what it really says. When you are in bondage to envy, when you're there, it says, I don't trust God that he will give me what he wants me to have when he wants me to have it. That's what you're saying. When you're envious of what someone else has or what someone else does or how someone else talks, let me ask you this. Are are there some people at work that offend you? Here's what I suggest. Here's, Here's my suggestion. Stop asking yourself, what is it in them that offends me? And start asking, what is it in me that causes me to take offense to this person? What is it in me that causes me to take offense? Against this person. Now by the way, and you're not going to like this. But my observation is this. This is your pastor's observation. So take it with a grain of salt. The people who offend you the most. Are the people who are the most like you. You want to know why I think that? It's because you can easily see the glaring mistakes in that person. And you can easily point out the splinter in their eye. And ignore the log in your own. Envy. Here's another reason we can get offended if you're taking notes. Number three. It's unfulfilled expectations. Unfulfilled expectations. I want you to turn it over to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. Okay. Now, remember last week I said hurts and offenses opens the door for sin to come in. Do you remember when I said that? It opens the door. If you think back at our passage in Mark six, what we just read just a few minutes ago, uh, Jesus said that he marveled at their unbelief. All right. Now, why were the people? Why were they people of unbelief? Because they were offended. They got offended, so they uh, uh, had unbelief. Okay. So the unbelief was the sin. Unbelief was the sin, and it but it came after the offense. You followed me? It came after that they were offended. Uh, and that's what opened the door. Alright, you get what I'm saying? Alright, now, Luke 7, verse 18. Here it is. Then the disciples of John reported to him concerning all these things. Okay, now, uh, why were the disciples having to go to report to John? What was, what, was, what was Jesus doing? You remember? Jesus was doing all, he was doing ministry. All right. Now, where was John? John, this is John the Baptist, by the way. Yeah, he's John the Baptist is in prison. Okay. He'd been there for a while. All right. And then it says, and John calling two of his disciples to him. So here's John the Baptist in prison. The disciples come out from the street revival that's going on. Okay. They come in, they visit John the Baptist, and they're just telling him, hey, here's what's going on, here's what Jesus is doing. And John the Baptist says, come here, come over here. And he says, uh, John calling him over says to he, and John calling two of his disciples to him, sent him to sent them to Jesus, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? All right, now sometimes we read this and we miss it. Uh, John the Baptist sent two the disciples to ask Jesus are you the one or are we supposed to look for somebody else now there's something strange about that question to me if you think about it in light of the context of scripture and what we know about John the Baptist and Jesus' relationship already see Jesus was John the Baptist's cousin Uh, they grew up together John knew this guy uh, do you remember when Mary was prego with uh, Jesus and she went to visit Elizabeth, who was prego with John the Baptist? Do you remember that story? And, and Mary walked into the room, and then what did uh, John the Baptist do in Elizabeth's stomach? Yeah. Lipped in the womb, right. Okay. Uh, and because and, he was filled with the Spirit, jumped in the womb. He was so excited. Jesus was in the room. Now all of a sudden, John's saying, Are you the one? Is he the one? That don't make sense to me. Also, do you remember that when Jesus came down to the Jordan River, John the Baptist was baptizing? He was baptizing. Okay, Jesus came down to the Jordan uh, where John was baptizing, and, and John said to everybody, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. John the Baptist knew exactly who Jesus was. Jesus comes in to get baptized. John the Baptist says, no, 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 no. I don't need to baptize you. You should be baptizing me. And Jesus says, no, John, we got to fulfill this scripture. Baptize me. Dunk me. Let's Let's get it done. Okay? Jesus gets baptized. The Holy Spirit comes down on him to empower him for ministry. God's voice manifests, it says in there, and said that God himself, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Okay? It's pretty clear. And all of that happened. And now John the Baptist is asking, are you the one? Is he the one? Well, what happened? Why would he ask that? Let's look, keep reading. Verse 20. When the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you saying, are you you the coming one or do we look for another? So now they've gone back to Jesus and they said, well, John told us to ask you this. And Can you imagine the look on Jesus' face? He probably thought that's the stupidest question he'd ever gotten. He was probably like like my cousin sent you? Like are you for real? Like he really sent you to ask me that? Is that? Is that? He wants to know if I'm the one? Now Jesus, see this is funny. Jesus didn't even answer him. He didn't even answer him. You know what he did? In that very minute, Scripture says, right in front of them, he turned around, he healed a bunch of people, he even raised some people from the dead, according to the Scripture, and then he turns around and he tells them. So he he turns around, he does all this, and then he turns around to them that came, and he says, verse 22, go back to John and tell him what you've seen and what you've heard. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. Make sure you tell him that. Oh, and by the way, make sure you tell Cousin John that I said, Blessed is the one that doesn't get offended because of me. You see, here's what I know happened. John had unmet expectations as to what Jesus was going to do when he came into town and how he was going to do it. Jesus didn't even come to the prison to visit John. He didn't even go over there. See, he was out doing ministry, but John got offended. He got offended. Now I want you to think about it. How many times do we get offended at other people because we expect them to do something or say something that they, and they don't do it? They might not even know that they were supposed to. You just thought they should have known. You sh- they should have known to do that. See, I believe more marriages fall apart because of that issue right there. You wanna if I be honest. You might have expectations on your spouse, and maybe your spouse they don't even know it. Maybe you have expectations because of the way you were raised. That you just brought in. You thought that's normal. Everybody thinks that. Everybody acts that way. You've come in and they don't even know. They're not meeting your expectations. I want you to hear me. Offenses will kill a marriage. It will kill a marriage. Unfulfilled expectations. Now, when you look at the word offended, when you look there, many translations also translate that as stumbling. It might be in your translation as stumbling. See, that's what an offense is. Okay, It's something that you stumble over. It's something that someone does to you or says to you that trips you up. That trips me up. That tripped me up. Now, Scripture says, get this. Scripture says that Jesus will either be a stumbling block, something that you stumble over, or he'll be the rock that you build your life on. I'm telling you, Jesus is offensive. He's offensive. And he'll either be a stumbling block or a rock that you build your life on. And he's either one or the other for you right now. One or the other. And that's the same thing with offense. See, we can either stumble on it or we can step over it, move on. Or here's what many of us do. We can pick it up and tell everybody about it. And show everybody how offended we are. By the way, offended people seek out and love to talk to other offended people to hang out with and talk to about their offenses together. Number four. The fourth way in Scripture tells us that we can, uh, can cause offense is offense with God. Offense with God. Okay? You can be offended with other people because you are offended with God. I want you to go all the way back to the very first offense in Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. I think it will be up here or you can turn there. Verse 1, it says, Now Adam and Eve, Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. Now this is the Lord. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. Alright, now who is he offended at by at this time? At God. He's offended at God because God didn't accept the offering. He didn't respect Cain or his offering. Now you notice that, the English there, don't you? Okay, now, verse 6, watch this. 6, so the Lord said to Cain, Cain, why are you angry, bub? And why has your countenance fallen? And then Jesus says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? If you you obey me, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, look at this, sin lies at the door of, See, a fence opens the door to sin. I ain't lying to you. And its desire is for you. Take control over you. But you should rule over it. You see that? In other words, sin wants to come in, Cain, and put you in bondage. But you must get up and close the door to this sin. You must get up and close the door. Now watch this. This is the first thing offended people do a lot of times. Verse 8. Now Cain talked with Abel his brother. Now what do you think they talked about? I thought that was real interesting that that was there. Cain talked with Abel his brother. See he talked to him before he killed him. Here's what I believe they talked about. I believe Cain told Abel, God didn't respect me or my offering. And I'm offended. And I believe he wanted Abel to pick up that offense with him. But what probably Abel said, he probably said, well, bro, you didn't do the offering properly. And so Cain gets offended at God first. Then he talks with Abel. And then he gets offended with Abel. Look and it says. And it came to pass when they were in the field. That Cain rose up against Abel his brother. And killed him. Why? Because he was offended. He was offended. But what was his first offense? Who was it with? With God. With God. Now. I want to show you one more thing about this. I want to show you a scripture in Matthew 6, 12. Matthew 6, 12. When it talks about forgiveness, see, the the thing is to get healing from being from an offense, there has to be forgiveness. You cannot move on without it. Okay? Look at this. It says, 6 612. this is from a prayer that we all know. And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Now, often we stop right there. We'll put on, for that is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And we'll move on. We'll stop there. Okay? But I want you to look at the next verse. Look at verse 14. It says, if you forgive those who sin against you your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, here's what we need to know. In verse 12, it says, Forgive our sins as we have forgiven. Now, the word as, forgive our sins as we have been forgiven, that word, it means in the same manner. In the same manner. So what we're saying to God is. Lord forgive me my sins in the same manner. In the same way. To the same degree. With the same heart that I forgive other people. In other words if you choose not to forgive and hold offense to someone else. God gets to hold that offense to you. Now who wants to hold, who wants God, honestly, who wants God to hold an offense toward you? Not me. Not me. Because we see all through scripture what happens when God is offended. Mm-mm, that's one tackle I don't want. Now. There are many times when we have a tough time forgiving people. It's true. I've had a tough time forgiving people. In the same way we've been forgiven. So here's what has to happen. If you want to be that person that wants to forgive and release. What if you want to be that person to forgive and release but you can't? I want to but I can't. Now. Everybody in this room has been at that place. Every single person. Every single person. Okay, the ground is level here. And I remember, this message, the Lord. This is this. Is the Lord. I, I, I. He deals with me. Okay. But you can't. Here's what you need to know. If you are want to forgive and release, but you cannot, here's what that means. It means. That the door of offense is still open in your life. That's what it means. If you can't forgive somebody else and you want to, but you can't, that means something—an offense that someone has done to you. You're still offended, and that door's still open. Whatever they've done, however they've hurt. Okay. First John one nine says this. If we freely admit that we have sinned and confess our sins, He is faithful and just, just, true to His own nature and promise, and will forgive our sins and cleanse us continually from all unrighteousness or wrongdoing, everything not in conformity with His will or purpose. Now listen. When you close the door through repentance and confession of sin and break that bondage and get healing from what someone has done to you, then you will be able to forgive and release other people. Okay? Not in your own flesh, but through the person of Jesus. Through the person of Jesus, you're able to do that. I want you to hear me. Healing, healing, tears down fences, old fences, that all fences build up between you and God, And when you're in fellowship with God, you'll be in fellowship with other people.